This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. It's Tuesday, so it's the big picture sponsored by Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. And this week we're going to go to the United States, but we're going to go to the United States via the United Kingdom. We're going to speak to Russell Silverstone, who's the head of multi-asset absolute return at Investec Asset Management in London. I want to talk to you, if I can, Russell, about the United States of America and about interest rates, because I'm getting a little bit confused. But let me get my little rant out of the way first. Why is Mr. Trump trying to sort of degrade the integrity of the US Federal Reserve by putting a new Fed chairman in and then saying, why is he raising interest rates? Well, yeah, absolutely. So one of the new sort of normal we have to deal with as portfolio managers is the Trump tweet as he sort of wakes up in the morning and we see various sort of headlines flashing through. The latest one was sort of saying, look, you know, I'm doing all this good work for the economy, but actually the Fed are sort of putting up interest rates and that will slow the economy down, all things being equal, you know, not good capital letters. And that's what he's concerned about. You know, he's cut taxes, he's put up spending, and it was always the case that any central bank that operates as the Fed does is going to offset that with tighter monetary policy. And the president obviously realizes this. And so he's sort of, you know, he's, he's protesting. But actually, he's not going to be able to do anything about it. As you just noted, firstly, he's installed a new chair. And that chair there is, for, I think, I believe it's eight years. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Mm. And actually, the Fed report to Congress. And so there's very little he can actually do about it. One of the more silly tweets. I mean, I can understand the capital letters for Iran. And I can understand the uh, rocket man from months and months ago. But this is a silly one. Because if the economy needs to be cooled down for future generations or future generations of investors, then it must be cooled down. It's not slowing it down. It's just giving it a little break, which it might need in the future if inflation is going to rise and wages are going to rise, which gets me back to the fundamentals now. Let's have a look at what's going on in the States at the moment. Full employment for all intents and purposes. But is inflation a threat and are wages rising? Not really. Um, this is what's so interesting. So actually, the big data release this week is actually U.S. second quarter GDP, and it's growing. And this is always a, a little bit of an estimate this far forward, but it's estimated to be growing in the region of 4.2% in the last quarter. Now, that's boom time compared to a trend rate of growth. You know, All the Fed is trying to do is engineer a soft landing with modest inflation. So actually, you know, inflation has been picking up. That's largely about oil prices, but their own projections sort of see it stabilizing around about 2%, which is their target. Wages are a bit of a mystery, you know, bottom up, sort of anecdotally, you hear of pressure in certain sectors, but actually nationally, wages are running, you know, a shade below 3%, even though unemployment, as you know, is very, very close to historic low levels. And that to be honest, is a bit of an economic mystery. I mean, there's a lot of theories around why that might be happening from sort of interesting stuff such as the labour market is nowhere near as mobile as it used to be, i.e. people don't move to get higher paying jobs in other states, or even the impacts of large companies like sort of Amazon. You know, if Amazon is the only employer in a city in Michigan, uh, then actually people have got no choice where they actually work. This is quite an interesting concept. So actually the models that everyone uses for wages are just breaking down in the, in the current uh, current environment. But yeah, I mean, the Fed, I think, are doing a good job. The economy is doing really well. It's a bit of a sugar rush from those tax cuts and um, spending increases. And they're just going to slowly but surely sort of grind interest rates higher. And that, that's clearly upset the president. 
Yeah. What about the US 10-year and uh, in isolation and then the gap between the US 2-year and the US 10-year, which is something that people watch as a recession predictor? Let's start with the 10-year. Yeah, absolutely. So 10-year treasuries trading at just below 3% this morning. You may recall they got up to about sort of 3.10 earlier in the year. And that's fine. You know, we as an asset, we think that's modestly cheap. We think investors are positioned for higher yields, i.e. they've sold them in the hope of buying them back at a higher interest rate. And we think that supports, but it's quite hard for bonds to rally, i.e. price go up, yield go down, when the economy is growing at sort of somewhere between 4 and 5%. And what's actually happening happening is that as the Federal Reserve increase interest rates, the most sensitive bond maturity to those increases in interest rates would be those most closely aligned to official interest rates, i.e. the, the shorter dated maturity, sort of in this case, two years. Um, the longer bonds reflect expected interest rates throughout the maturity of that bond. So a 10-year bond represents the market's assessment of interest rates over the next 10 years, plus a little bit of risk premium and inflation uncertainty and so on and so forth. And the gap between those two has been collapsing. It's now just over 0.3%. And the reason there's so much focus on this is historically, when that relationship turns negative, i.e. Um, 10-year yields are below two-year yields, a recession isn't far away. And if you think about it, it makes intuitive sense because what the market is saying and if you, is that expected interest rates are far too tight. The 10-year yields are below two-year yields, so there's an assessment that interest rates need to come down. And the market as a voting machine is, is saying, you know, Fed, you've over tightened. This time around, I'm not convinced that's actually the message, but that's certainly what people are nervous about. So we're 30 basis points away from a predictor that has served us well in the past. I mean, it has been fairly accurate, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, you know, pretty much every cycle has been sort of heralded by the yield curve. But I do think, you know, that famous phrase this time is slightly different. And the reason is that obviously interest rates are very, very low still. And so, you know, people are not sure the signal was going to be as powerful this time. It could be that longer dated treasuries are being influenced by quantitative easing, which, yes, it's been slowly wound down, but that's had a big impact. And it could be that um, there's a shortage of safe haven assets around the world. So, you know, yes, the yield curve is flattening, and yes, that reflects um, tighter policy from the Fed. But I think the jury is out over whether that signal is still valid this time round. My personal opinion is it probably is because you know there is no doubt that interest rates have been going to by the end of this year would have been risen 250 basis points, 2.5 percent, and in any tightening, that's a significant amount. It is. And is there any chance that there could be a significant leaning on the Fed by Mr. Trump, who is a persuasive character? And do you think that the autonomy, and again, the word I used earlier on, the integrity of the Fed, could be compromised and they might say, no, we'll put interest rates on hold and that could put the yield curve all over the place, maybe to the detriment of asset class allocation in the future? Absolutely. I would like to think not because they are very independent. So they, they report to Congress, not the president. But you never know at the margin about these things. You know, if there is pressure, you never know. You know, if, if a decision, says is particularly close, they may go down the route of no change. So we don't know, to be honest, but the market, again, will vote against that. It will, the market, any sign of central bank credibility being undermined will be punished by the market. Look at what, for example, has happened in Turkey and the Turkish lira, which has completely collapsed as the president's been trying to undermine that central bank. So, you know, there's a balancing act here and he can he can sort of kick up a bit of a fuss. But, you know, his advisors will pull him back from really threatening the threat 
very well threatening the, the Fed. But having said that, um, don't forget there are members of that Republican Party that want to audit the Fed. There are people that want them to follow simple policy rules. And mm. so, you know, we, we can't we can't take this for granted. No, we can't take it for granted at all. And we can't take for granted the bull market that's been in place in equities for nine and a half years. I know your speciality is not equities, but on the other hand, you can't ignore things like the alphabet stroke Google numbers that came out in the last 12 hours or so, which were pretty good. And things seem to be ticking along quite nicely. The only thing that worries me, and this is a general statement, is that there is a concentration, just as there is in South Africa with one or two stocks in the All Share Top 40 Index, there's a concentration of drivers of the S&P 500. It's not exactly the most broad-based rally we've ever seen in the last two years. No, that's exactly the case. And we were just discussing this internally, internally earlier this week. And I think it was towards the end of last week that it was only a few stocks that have really driven that index. And we know who those, you know, which, which stocks they are. No, it, that's not a health thing, but it's just an, in, you know, it's an index construct. So it's mechanical in a sense. But, you know, what's driving general? I mean, earnings are, are fantastic, right? I mean, you know, earn, yes. earnings are are increasing, expectations are increasing. You know, at the end of last week, you had about 20% of, of companies had reported, you know, the majority had be estimates and, you know, the earnings growth rate at Q2 was considered to be about a 20% increase. I mean, that's absolutely enormous. And but what's driving that, of course, is the um, tax cuts and spending increases. We've seen corporate tax rates have been, uh, have been slashed. And so, you know, I think looking forward, whilst there are clearly you know, name-specific angles here, generally the US equity market has been doing quite well and, and earnings are increasing. You're quite right, it's very, very concentrated, but it's what happens next? Because you know, you've also got to think, okay, well, is that in the price? Is it, you know, are people positioned for that? And you know, there's no doubt that people are very, very bullish on the US and for good reason, right? As we said, it's growing somewhere between 4 and 5% at the moment, um, but it's a very expensive market. So we're sort of looking around, scratching our heads, thinking, okay, where, you know, where can we see better value? Is, is there another way perhaps to play this? Because the US despite the best efforts of Trump, you know, does not trade alone. There could be, you know, there could be vulnerabilities, perhaps if the dollar rallies powerfully, those exporting companies could be under pressure. We've got the threat of tariffs. So, you know, things look great at the moment, but, you know, we're sort of questioning just how far this goes from here. Final question. What keeps you awake at night apart from the extreme heat in London at the moment, which is predicted to be 32, 33 degrees over the next couple of days? Apart from the heat, what do you worry about? Do you worry about the trade wars? Do you worry about the leaders that are in place at the moment that uh, use social media to put out their messages? What is it? I think there's two things. Um, The first one is clearly trade wars. And I just think people have, I think one of my sort of themes I've been thinking about is the underlying issue, the underlying problem with the global financial crisis was banks were too interconnected Mm. to, 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 to foul. So when one went down, they all went down. What I worry now is the supply chain, the global supply chain is hugely integrated. And if we head down towards trade war, that global supply chain is very, very vulnerable. And, and so the sort of macroeconomic effects of that could be quite severe, which is why I think common sense for that. Well, that's a clear issue that keeps, me, that keeps me awake at night. I mean, Brexit is a worry. We've talked about that as well. But I think really that sort of, you know, that trade war is the one. And then the final thing, I think, is this idea 
of the sort of quantitative tightening in the Federal Reserve, not only are they raising interest rates, they're reducing their balance sheet. And that balance sheet runoff is 50 billion a month from the autumn, our autumn. And that's a significant amount of money. And no one's ever done this in economic history. It's a huge amount of withdrawal, isn't it? It's a massive withdrawal of liquidity. Absolutely. And no one knows how that one's going to end. And to be fair to the Federal Reserve, they're watching it very closely, but it is a big unknown. So I think they're the, you know, they're the, Brexit has kept me away for two years, but the trade wars, global supply chain is the one, and I think that's sort of quantitative timing. We're watching that very, very carefully. Yeah. Uh, for now, actually, you know, as, as a noted, noted bear, I, th- I think things are fine. The US is the US is enjoying a boom. Very good, very good point on the global supply chain. By the way, Russell, thank you so much for your time this evening. That's Russell Silberston, who's the head of multi-asset absolute return at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.